2: Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 45, where I am joined with Javon Bigart and Gregor Yerushadis. Fellas, how are you doing today?
1: Doing all right. How are you?
2: Oh, even better. You know, Toronto Raptors kind of got swept under the rug in four games against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, we had a pretty optimistic outlook come this season. Well, uh, well. obviously, they fell uh, way below the expectation. I think, you know, even against Cleveland, the goal was to make it competitive, not get completely destroyed in four games. We saw a team like the Indiana Pacers able to push LeBron James and Co. to seven games. We'll get right into it, guys. Uh, Greg, swept them four. What direction does his team take moving forward? Obviously, winning the Eastern Conference Championship this year was a monumental moment. Being able to put that banner in the ACC is huge for us. But what do we do? Obviously, we're not going to be able to compete with Cleveland and the upper echelon of the NBA. We could still—we're still a playoff team. What do we do? Do we blow it up, or do we keep the gang together? Um, I don't
0: know if you have to do either of those two things. Um, you could make some tweaks potentially. Uh, look. Going into this year, I never expected the Raptors is currently constructed to be able to beat the LeBron James-led Cavs, even though Irving had left. They still got some good pieces back. I think the expectations became raised so much after uh, the Cavs sputtered and the Celtics didn't have their stars. We were able to nab the first seed. Uh... Look, they won almost 60 games. And look, uh, when I was watching, you know, I was yelling at the TV, too. I was upset. But now that I've had some time to think about it, and that's why these reaction, you know, I listen to some of these podcasts, and, like, I'm listening to these reaction podcasts. Like, the whole point, you know, I coach teams. And after tough losses, it's not always the best thing to just, like, react. Like, what's your knee-jerk reaction? Sleep on it. Right? Go home. We'll talk about it. Before the next practice kind of thing. Yeah, so let it settle in. Yeah, let it settle in. Right? So I've, I've let it settled in, and I don't know if you have to do anything. They're a very young team. Look, there's obvious issues. I can tell you where the issues are, and we're going to get into that. But how, how do you justify blowing up a team that set your franchise record for wins?
2: Right. Well, I think the issue is, you know, the the contracts we currently have in fold. you know, guys like Ibaka, DeRozan, Lowry making Northward of $20 million a year. And it's just, you know, obviously we do have holes as an organization. You know, hopefully the young guys, such as the bench mom, can fill those holes next season. But in all actuality, we have very little wiggle room when it comes to the salary cap restraints. And even bringing in someone else who can help right the ship, like I kind of mentioned before. Javon, what are your thoughts on this?
1: You know, I remember uh, the expectations going into this season. And I remember everybody giving the Raptors maybe sixth seed, highest fifth seed. Yeah. And we blew those expectations out the water during mm-hmm. the regular season. Nobody expected the bench to do what they did, right? A lot of these guys are second-year guys. You have O.G. Ananobi, a first-year guy. He stepped in and played huge minutes.
2: I guess in retrospect, right? looking at this, you know, this game one starting the season, if someone told me that we're going to win the Eastern Conference 59 wins, that's a mon- that, That's a win. That's a victory. You know, especially like you were just mentioning. You know, exactly. a lot of uh, pundits predicting us finishing fifth in the Eastern Nobody Conference and we knock out the Wizards. It's just the way we lost. You know what I mean? It's people the people way we lost. In four. We threw our bellies up. You know, like we got demolished in four games against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the third year in a row. And as no. I was mentioning oh. earlier, Victor Oladipo and the rest of the Pacers were able to push them to their limits to Game Seven. Okay, but, the Toronto but, Raptors barely put up a fight.
0: Can I? Okay, okay. Can I? First of all. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for the element of surprise in that the Cavs had never seen the Pacers before. They didn't really know what to expect. Also, like, if you watch the fir- that first Pacers game, LeBron purposely didn't try to take over. Like, he was trying to get his teammates
2: going. Because he knows that when he plays Golden State in the finals, he has to make sure his soldiers are at yeah. full go. You know what I mean? He can't carry his yeah. team to the So can we can he's we put that on experience.
1: the Raptors or can we just put that on the expertise and the wisdom of a guy like LeBron James, that magnificent player that, you know, he's not only was but is becoming every day even better. Um yeah. you know, LeBron James knew exactly what he was doing. He was, you know, coasting through the regular season, Everyone was like, Oh, he barely plays defense. How are you the hundred and whatever it was ranked defensive player in the league and, you know, expect him to be this good. But You know, now that we look at what he's done over the first two rounds, he's proven everybody wrong. Well, especially me, at least.
0: And and did they not put up a fight? Sorry, Brandon. Did they not put up a fight? Because, look, I'm convinced that the
1: refs cost us at least one game. And they tried to give us some makeup calls in the fourth game, which was pretty funny.
2: I think it's more based on our talent. You know, like, I love Kyle Lowry and I love DeMar DeRozan, but in Game 1, Game 40, and Game 82, first game of the playoffs, last game of the playoffs— those guys are giving 100% effort every single night. You know, you get a guy, you know, even like a Victor Oladipo or other guys in the NBA, obviously LeBron James, who have the capability to get to that, like, 120 percentile if that's possible. You know what I mean? Like someone who has that extra little oomph beyond what they're displaying on a nightly basis. Someone who, come playoff time, can will his team to victory
1: based yeah. on that next level, right? Yeah, especially with five seconds left in the shot clock. Um. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaking. (laughs) uh, But,
0: uh, okay, as bad as DeRozan played um, in the Cavs series, I always thought that there was too much pressure on him to be that, like, Kobe Bryant-type player. He blossomed and became, like, one of the elite scorers in the league. But he's, again, he's not a monster. He doesn't have physical dimensions that defy defenses, right? You can scheme for him. Lowry kind of similar. I think when we signed Ibaka, Okay, when we signed to Baca, we were thinking that he would be that third star, right? A third scorer. We didn't have that, right? Like, I, I don't think it was ever fair to put those types of expectations on Lowry and DeRozan. Well, th- we'll, li- th- we'll
2: listen to uh, DeMar DeRozan quickly uh, talk about, you know, the, uh, the emotional turmoil of being defeated by the Cleveland Cavaliers for a third year in a row. Give me a sec, guys. Hard to say one thing. No, I don't. Like I said, like you said, you know, last three years been rough for us, you know, competing against this team. Um, maybe they just got our number. Um, things just don't go right for us. Whatever it is, it could be a lot of things. You know, all I know is, you know, last three years they have been a reason why we have an event. So, you know, whatever that is, I I I couldn't sit up here and tell you one specific thing. So we were kind of briefly talking about Serge Ibaka's performance. You know, the guy that you know was a splashy acquisition last season with the Terrence Ross trade. Obviously, he's playing very underwhelming basketball. What are your thoughts on, a, I guess, Ibaka um, when it comes to this roster
1: construct, Javon? I think the devil is in the details. You have to look at how he's playing. So he has all the physical acumen of a guy who's supposed to be in the NBA. You know, he's six foot ten, can jump through the roof. He's strong. He's physical. Um, But the one thing, the one area I want to point out is his pick-and-roll defense. And I was telling you guys earlier, uh, when Kevin Love guards the pick-and-roll, what he should have been doing the entire series, which he didn't do once, was hedge the guy coming off the screen. And by that, I mean, you know, as, let's say, George Hill comes off of a Kevin Love screen, he needs to force the guy who's using the screen all the way up as high as possible, push him up. Don't let him use the screen and then have, like, an open lane where you could either – You know, do one of two things, attack the basket or find an open shooter. Um, What Ibaka would do is he would stick to Kevin Love, and uh, the guy coming off the screen would usually be open. And, you know, that would just lead to a whole bunch of havoc for the Raptors. They would have a horrible time uh, recovering off of that. And I just felt that, you know, the onus was on the coach to make that adjustment, make that correction. And it just seemed like nobody on the coaching staff knew to make the adjustment. Um, You know...
0: It sorry was it okay and and I get your point and there's I know we're gonna get into Casey and them but like uh, the mistakes that Ibaka was making like do you remember in the second half sorry yeah to start the second half in the second game arguably the most important like couple minutes in the series right they were up one nothing we were barely winning after halftime again and Ibaka comes out he like dribbles the ball off his foot yeah yeah and then he shoots an air ball
1: exactly right. Like uh, it's unacceptable. You have you have to be a lot stronger with the ball, especially if you're in the NBA. Like it doesn't matter if you're a center, it doesn't matter if you're a power forward. Like you have to be able to dribble the ball with confidence with you know the notion that hey, this is not going to be a turnover just because I have the ball.
0: Yeah. But on just on your point about, you know, hedging the screens and you know how did the coaching staff not and this point is for DeRozan too and when I'm watching him play like off-ball defense like I think like is it again is isn't on the coaches there maybe the coaches have told I'm pretty sure they tell them but
1: that's a defensive schematic that you have to you know call a timeout and make the adjustment or after a game you know watch film and be like this is what you need to do because yeah. I look at the other end of the court Kevin Love was doing that amazing. So DeRozan would use the screen, and Kevin Love would hedge like hell and push him all the way to the, you know, it would a uh, hedge into a trap and push him all the way to the half court line, and then he would throw a lob pass. And when the it's a lob pass, we always preach, you know, make a hard direct pass because when it's a lob, you give the defense enough time to recover to recover, to, yeah. to wherever the defender is that they need to cover. And that's what the that's what the the Cavs were doing on their defense. And the Raptors would put up a, a contested three which they're not prone to making. So, you know, there's just so many adjustments that I, that I noticed throughout the game, that being a major one, that if the Raptors were able to correct it, you know, it would have been a completely different series. Whether we won two games, whether we won three games, whether we won one game, hey, we could have even won this series. And, I, and you know, I'm looking at this game, I'm just like, you know, there's so much adjustments. Is that the players or is that the coaching staff? Yeah. Right? But- and then also, you know, the combination of players that are playing. Right?
0: Ibaka makes more money than the entire coaching staff combined, right? Wow. And it's not, right? And it's not...
1: And that's the next facet that you have to, you know, I, take into consideration. Like,
0: I, I, I just don't see... If he's playing... Like, we, we signed him to be a defensive anchor, right? And a stretch four. Exactly. We needed one badly, right? And... You know, by the end of it now, like, he had that one good game, but by the end of it, like, he showed some life at the end, but, like, he let his offense dictate his defensive energy. Oh, for sure. Right? So, it was, like, we just didn't, and this is what I think is, like, a. I really think this was key for us. We just didn't have a third option, especially because they don't give the fucking ball to Valanchunas, at least, like, properly.
1: And. There was good portions in the fourth game where there was a stretch where, you know, Valanciunas had only played like eight minutes, but he had 12 points. Yeah, like he, was, he was dominating. The, the the only guy on the Raptors who was able to dominate the paint consistently just yeah. by being a presence, yeah. right, and being bigger than everybody on the Cavs, they would, he would get the ball in the post, and I swear to you, he went at least three of five from field goal range in the paint, and if he wasn't, he was hitting guys on the perimeter. But, you know, the one thing I can say about JV over Ibaka's. is this guy actually made an effort to score. He didn't seem scared. He didn't seem timid. Mm. Ibaka, like, the moment Ibaka dribbled the ball off of his foot to begin the second half in Game 2, the rest of the series is complete Body language as well, though. Like, when I see
2: Valanciunas on the court, like, that guy's facial expressions, like, his demeanor. He cares. cares Yeah.
1: Like, he's diving on the court. Like, he wants to win. Like, he's making that extra effort. Like, I remember a a defender... uh, uh, I think it was George Hill, he had attacked the basket, he beat his defender, and if JV was on the court, like, he made the attempt to go and block it. Mm-hmm. And just that willpower, just that heart, he blocked it. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, certain guys were bringing that effort and that willpower, but w- where all of them was DeRozan. Like, you know, DeRozan has this lackadaisical attitude, and you get you by in the, in the you know, the regular season, mm-hmm. but there comes a time where you got to step it up. You know, you can't be lackadaisical. You know, you, you got to... You know, don't assume that the shot's going to be missed or that the shot's going to be made. Make an attempt to block it. You never know. Maybe he stumbles. Maybe he's, he feels the pressure and he, you know, he fumbles the ball because that's what the Cavs were doing. They and, were giving no opportunities but, away. Uh,
0: here's the thing. Like, I, could, I could live with it better, actually, if LeBron had beat us or if uh, the shooters of the Cavs had beat us, but not both. That's what happened. Both beat us. Like, like we were coming off. Are mar- like they were coming off their 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 uh, marks on the perimeter, right? Like I'm watching uh, uh, DeRozan and Lowry. Like you can't leave Kyle Korver like that. You can't step in and try to cheat. And no. why are you cheating? Because J.R. Smith is driving to the basket. Like you don't need to come off your man if J.R. Smith is driving to the basket. You don't. Right and and like I just don't and and again this goes back to what we we're talking about with Casey. Is it really possible that Casey didn't explain to them the importance of that? I just feel like they're mentally weak, like they make stupid decisions on the uh, on the perimeter.
2: Jared Smith currently number nine yeah. all time three pointers <laughs> yeah. made. Yeah, this guy
1: helps.
2: It's crazy. Um, so we're kind of talking about Dwayne Casey. This is not something that I personally believe. There's a lot of speculation out there that Dwayne Casey could hypothetically win the Coach of the Year and also subsequently be fired at the same time. That's so ridiculous, isn't it? Like it, it, I, uh, it, 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 I, I'd rather you go into this myself because I feel like you're getting very... You, you would be very passionate about this. this maybe you should be safe for your gripe, but I want you to go into this right now. No, my, I got a Drake gripe.
0: Right? Um... Oh Look, it's tough, right? Because it's not like I don't, I want, okay, there was a couple plays. There was one in particular where we, it, you know, uh, I think Lowry called the timeout or something. And we come out of the timeout and there was five seconds left on the shot clock. And, like, Fred Van Vliet catches it. And, like, it's like they had no idea what they were running. Yeah, just and clueless. You
1: that laxism, yeah. And I was, like, steady Freddie being a little too steady.
0: Yeah, but, like, you know, again, like, what was the play? right and like i'm 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 watching like the celtics and it's like every time brad stevens calls it and i fucking hate brad stevens man he's so good i hate him mm-hmm. right and like every time the guy calls a timeout like they come out with this like simplistically brilliant play that leads to simple. a layup with right price, yeah. and 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 like so it's not like I'm. My point is here. It's not like I'm not seeing that Dwayne Casey doesn't have deficiencies as a coach. As but any coach will. Like I'm sure that there are things that Casey's better than Stevens. That okay, but uh, I I just can't justify firing a coach that has got you now to the best record you've ever had. And as a coach, like you can't, like the players play, man.
2: Like he can't stop. He can't run out there and, and stop LeBron James. I think it's an testament to. uh Testament yeah, testament truly to Nick Nurse, man. That guy's definitely, you know, schematically a tactician. I don't think that guy gets a, gets a fair shake, especially when it comes to designing plays. But where are the plays? I'm, saying, not... I'm saying in general, though. Like, I'm saying with Wayne Casey, I think what his MO as a coach is basically like a leader of men sort of mentality. Yeah. You you know, and I think it's the importance of having an assistant coach like that, that who can be the more tactician, sort of emulate the the philosophy of the modern game. That's right.
0: Well, that well Joe, what do you think? I know you're no, not
2: happy with the coaching right
0: now.
1: You know, and just to go back to your point where Fred Van fleet caught the ball with, all the way in the backcourt with less than five seconds. And, you know, he's like, go, go, go. Yeah, he looked over at him because right? he like, didn't know what the play was. And, you know, just that whole mindset is like, did you not explain it properly? Did the guys not get the memo? Like, are guys not paying attention in the timeout? Um, is the coaching staff rattled where, you know, the players are no longer engaged or in tune to what you have to say? You know, all these thoughts are going through my mind. Like, what's going on? Like, this is not the same Raptors team that I've seen during the regular season. You know, and when I think about that, it, it, it's not their physicality because they've had no significant injuries that have kept any players out yeah. the way it's affected other teams. Um, so what is it? You know, but, is, yeah. is it really this, this LeBron psychological curse on the Raptors? Is but, that uh, really a thing?
0: I was listening um, to an interview, and they were talking about something that Alvin Williams said. And he's like, I've watch- been watching this team year in, year out. And they just can't seem to stick to a game plan, and, f- and and the players, right? specific I think he's talking specifically about Lowry and DeRoz- like the details. Yeah. Worst right? comes the worst. The if,
2: details, if the, the devil's in the details. back in ISO
1: and that's day. the thing, right? And that's what I want to talk about. The culture reset. Like so, the culture last year was the ball stops with DeRozan and Lowry. If those guys can't get anything going, it's it's a wrap. And this year, the model was supposed to be, no, let's get ball movement. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan will get their shots after, you know, the ball gets swung yeah. around after we attack the paint. Yeah. You know, the, the new style of basketball that the NBA is, you know, that's not being promoted, but that's winning over a whole bunch of different NBA philosophies. Yeah. And this year, you know, that worked beautifully when the bench was on, or it, it worked beautifully if Kyle was on without DeRozan or DeRozan without Kyle. But it just seemed like when both of those guys were on the court at the same mm-hmm. time, especially you know in the playoffs. Yeah, like that whole philosophy was like, what happened to it? Where to go? Like, was it just a facade? Was it just something to you know keep everybody quiet while you guys mm-hmm. you know didn't really change the way you played? Because you know in the playoffs, like they exactly what Brandon said, resorted right back to that ISO ball, and that ISO ball gets you where nowhere it gets you swept in four games. Mm. Yeah. Unless it's nineteen ninety three. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right.
0: Um, but to answer your question, then Brandon, about Casey, like I, it uh, again, we're talking about someone that is probably going to, I don't know now if
1: you will, uh, did the voting already happen? I think the voting gets done uh, before the postseason starts. Okay, after the well, season, because uh, I know it's
0: supposed to only take out, uh, take into account the season, right? If you just take into account the regular season, I think Casey Casey's the coach of the year. Mm. Uh, how do you justify firing that guy then? It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. Right and and it seems like
2: unfair to him, right? Because again, the players to me, this is more on the players than. Well, talk about the players, though. I think the another silver line this season is the upside of the bench. You know, obviously coming in this year, our, our. I guess our Achilles' heel, what we thought our Achilles' heel would be, would be the lack of depth on our bench. Lo and behold, you know, a lot oh, of yeah. guys made that sec that second step in the new year. You know, obviously we're talking about Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, uh, Pascal Siakam, but also getting OG and Anobi to come in from game one and provide that three and D skill set that we thought we had in Demario Carroll last season, and he was so huge for us, specifically that three pointer in game three, a little bit of a dagger by LeBron James afterwards. But question for you guys is, what is the upside of the bench mob? And what do we do with Fred Van Vliet? Because looking at the salary cap right now, if going into next year, um, we, we have something like $126 million already committed with Fred Van Vliet as an unrestricted free agent, do you think we can bring him back? Would you pay the luxury tax to bring back Fred Van Vliet? And is he that vital to the core of the season? Sorry,
0: wait, this is. So this was his last season with the Raptors, right? He doesn't have a year left on his contract?
2: His last year's contract. He's probably going to make what ten to fifty million dollars a year. Currently, one twenty six. so bring us to what one one forty one. You know, that's it's it's
0: crazy to me though that he was on and let me undrafted but he was he was on over DeRozan in the final minutes of that game. And I mean, mind you, DeRozan wasn't. You could argue, you know, that's the lineup. I'm going to stick with it or whatever. But it was crazy that you put like how much are we paying DeRozan a year?
2: We're currently paying DeRozan twenty seven point seven four.
0: And how much are we paying Fred? Fred's
2: earning about one point three, the uh, rookie And MMM.
0: and this guy is playing in the most important court. Like you didn't even, we didn't even give him a chance to, right? To earn that money in that moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, DeRozan shit the bed. So you know, I was, I was hollering and complaining like Casey. I don't care if this guy makes thirty million a year. Have the balls to bench his ass if he's and not he producing, if he's not performing. Bench him. And in that game three, going into the fourth quarter, the Raptors were down by double digits. They benched him. They Van came back. Van Fleet came in, and they had a pretty good lineup. That was uh, Ibaka's only quarter in this series yeah. where he actually performed. This yeah. is his only quarter. Yeah. And the reason why was because, you know what? This guy decided to play, you know, e- it's easy to say on the mic, but he played help defense. Guys were attacking the basket. He didn't stick to his guy. like He, he was like, you know what? I'm going to do my job. I'm going to protect the basket. He protected mm. the basket. He had like five blocks that game.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Wait, wait, where's the consistency? Where's that effort? Right? Sorry, Brandon. So... We got off to- uh, topic then about the the bench, right? Uh, yo, OG is fucking legit, man. Like, and and here's another reason I say don't blow it up. Like, you have such a good young core. They're gonna get better. Like the Raptors will be
2: better next year than they just were. Just based year. on the eye tests and like just that like gut feeling, you know what I mean? Like when you look at a guy play that first year and you know oh, in your oh, back yeah. he's gonna make that massive stride of second season. Yo, I see it with OG and Anobi. I don't think be, I, I don't think it's insane for me to say right now that OG could potentially be an All Star next year. Uh, people talk ne- about uh, the necessity year. to bring in a third guy, a he, third superstar. Uh, third he OG could make that leap next year, especially coming off an ACL injury you know, and obviously the, yeah. not being in game shape, having to work himself into shape throughout the season. I think OG can be an absolute monster. He blocked LeBron a few times. Well I know you hate I hate to throw out the Kawhi Leonard and OG at Anobi comps, but you're talking about what? OG OG twenty minutes per game, six points, Kawhi Leonard is rookie or twenty four minutes uh, 7.9 points, 1.1 assists, and 5 rebounds. OG only putting up 2.5 rebounds and, po- and 1 assist. But it's it's very similar. Very yep. similar situation. Um, I think Kawhi was getting a lot more offensive opportunities when he was playing for San Antonio as well, as opposed to OG, who was strictly a defender.
1: OG doesn't know about his offensive yeah, game. Yeah. He, like, nobody knew he could shoot the 3. He figured out he could shoot the 3 this yeah. year. Yeah. Did yeah. you and think he was fi-
2: going to shoot 37% from the fucking 3-point line? This year? And or have no, the balls
0: and the guts to hit that 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 shot? That go-ahead shot, that's huge for his confidence. Oh,
1: that was huge. Or, or that that was, was, like,
2: the tying shot, I meant.
1: Game three, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah when he pump faked
1: and hit that shot? Calm, oh, oh,
2: man. Shooting 56% from the field in the playoffs, 45% from three in the playoffs, eight points per game, putting up two rebounds. Guarding left. LeBron James. As, yeah, yeah. Right? was the best
0: defender on LeBron.
1: And the one thing that you know caught my eye about OG in the playoffs, it wasn't just his three-point shooting. It was the way he attacked the basket. And yeah. when he attacked the basket, he wasn't – you know, when the shot was there, he would take it. But when guys would run him off the line, you know, not every occasion, but there was a, a good two occasions where he had attacked the basket and he had nice moves to finish at the basket. It wasn't like it was uncontested, it was contested, and, you know, he had some acrobatic movements. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'm seeing that. I'm just like, imagine OG with those kind of refined actions and a guy with a little bit more confidence and maybe a guy who's been given more of a leash, oh, and, yeah. you know, with some, you know, added ingredients that he can gain over the offseason. And, you know, you might have something special, like, you know, the Raptors might have to really think about, you know, what the roles are going to be next year if they don't make any major changes, you know, is, is, is DeMar DeRozan really your guy? Is he the number one guy? Or do we start looking at? You know, it reminds me of the Indiana uh, situation a few years ago when mm-hmm. they had uh, uh, George
0: West Hibbert. Hibbert,
1: um, and the shooter Danny, Danny Granger. Remember Danny Granger yeah, was to Indiana. That's right. And then Paul George came from came out from of nowhere, nowhere, right? And then it became his team, and everybody forgot. You know, it's a little different with the Raptors. DeMar has a little bit more tenure, sort of. You know, has a little bit more prestige. No, but, but
0: you're, yeah, you never know, right?
1: So you know, it's not like the Raptors have no pieces. Like the one thing about you know, Masai is that he's drafted really well. And we have some really good young pieces, mm-hmm. you know, just to comment back on, like, what do we do with the bench mob? Like, continue to let them grow. You know, Fred Van Fleet grew up with those guys. I think, you know, we go into luxury tax for Fre- Fred Van Fleet. If that means, you know, we might have to dump, uh, you know, DeRozan somewhere or, you know, Kyle. I don't think both. One of, one, one of them. Uh you know that might have to happen.
2: I'm personally calling for a side in trade of Jonas Valanciunas, CJ Miles, and a future lottery protected first for Boogie Cousins. That was written D- by K- Kevin K- Connor in the Ringer. So anything could happen. We'll be back in a second, guys, with the second quarter talking about I like the that. Eastern Conference. Uh, here's some more music from Mackie Moto. Check out his SoundCloud page. Thank you very much for the tune
1: yeah we used to be like a piece of artwork under the willow tree i remember all the things that you would do to me you remember me muse, the reason for my poetry and the way that you would look at me yeah, i swear i wanted it eternally but things change and the greatest lovers grow apart and what's the hardest when two hearts evolve, we could evolve like a pokemon
2: we are back, uh, second quarter, talking about the Eastern Conference. So, obviously, we just mentioned the Kievan Cavaliers took out the Toronto Raptors in four games. Um, guys, let's talk about LeBron's legacy for a second, because this is like the hot-button topic for like the Bleacher Report, listicle articles, and all that bullshit. Um, what does LeBron need to do to take over as the greatest of all time, take over Jordan. You know, obviously, does um, winning a championship this year cement his legacy as the best? I think it does. It I does. think if he beats Golden Look,
0: I remember I was at a bar a few years ago watching him uh, when he didn't have Love or Irving in that series, and he went up against that Golden State team. And I remember watching him, like, will that team to... I think it was a game one win or... Right, and he slams down yeah, the ball. I
1: think ball. they were up 2-1 to... Yeah, at the some series.
0: point, they, they were up in that series. And I, I, I thought that... Because I, I hadn't seen LeBron at that point be the man like you know I I always thought that he deferred by going to Miami right like he kind of cheated yeah and then and then by coming back to Cleveland with Irving but this year reminded me of what I saw that year when he completely led and dominated the game like completely
1: but it seems like he's a refined version of that oh yeah
0: no this was the best I've ever seen I watched him all year and this is what I was saying like when when the cows were slumping a bit I said that he stopped trying He it was on purpose. He did it on purpose to get that trade done. And right, so to me, it's
1: all it's all a mind game. Yeah,
0: but if he beats if he beats uh, that Golden State team, well, I don't think they will. But if he does, to me, yeah, then he's he's like, if not on par, but he's better. Like, that would be such an accomplishment. Can you imagine... Two
1: first ballot Hall of Famers that he's going against.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine LeBron James with, like, a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, like, psychotic mentality and demeanor? But, How great that player could but be? I he does, though. I think not, he does. Not, not to that degree. I think LeBron is, you know, like, I don't think Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant would recognize the importance of getting his players or the guys that's around the him though. going. His, you know what I mean? His
0: pass-first mentality, maybe you could argue makes him greater than those players. Mm-hmm. I think that's
2: what I'm saying, though, like... Yeah, okay, when I have that very like, selfish sort of like tunnel Le- vision, narrow-minded sort of like mentality toward basketball. LeBron, yeah. if he had that like you know, Jordan-esque demeanor.
1: <laughs> if uh, if uh, Jordan's the Black Panther and Kobe Bryant's the Black Mamba, I think LeBron is the Black Widow because he just ah. has that web and everything is on that web and he yeah. figures everything out. You know, he has this person over there and he knows how he's like, I'm going to eat you later, but mm-hmm. I'm going to eat this guy first. And he just be, have everything figured out.
2: Let's not be fucking delusional, though. If LeBron James played any other sport, I don't give a fuck if it's tennis. I don't give a fuck if it's volleyball. I don't care if yeah, it's baseball. He would be athlete. the best, greatest of that sport. No question about it. I don't, you could argue that
0: for a lot of players. Like Six athletes.
2: foot eight, 260, who moves like him. There's been no well, one like this ever in the game. No, no, no. no but, no. I
0: mean, Michael Jordan was himself that type of athlete, right? You, cool.
1: There were trends and then... Comparatively? Comparatively, Greg, though?
0: I, I don't but no, but I mean it's per era too, right? Like no a- athletes are made differently now. Right than- now,
2: side by side, yeah. LeBron James is the greatest athlete of all time in my opinion. No question about it. There's no second. It's LeBron James and the rest the, of the field.
1: He's the greatest player that this Usain world Bolt. has has been able to create to this point. Just like Michael Jordan was the greatest player that they were able to create up until that point. Yeah, it's generational. Like, like, obviously, we're getting smarter. Our technology is getting better. Yeah. Our research and development is getting better. Early there's more childhood investment. development, uh, youth training. Yeah, but the, there's the, so much but that's not, things. That I
2: didn't predicate on that. I said the statement, who is the greatest athlete of all time? Not based on era or, like, any handicapping because he grew up in the 60s and he had I the, think it's Usain Bolt, but you,
0: personally. You think, okay, so… if Fastest think, man in the world. Baseball, let's Olympics. say
2: baseball… Football and hockey. If all three of those guys played that sport, starting off from a young age, you're telling me that Usain Bolt would be a better.
1: Couldn't play hockey.
2: LeBron James can sure as shit play some goddamn hockey. Play hockey. No, he True could.
1: Guy. I to do some skates on him.
2: Goalie, man, goalie. All right, uh, moving down to the next matchup: Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Um, obviously, the Sixers stole Game Four from Boston, but we've seen some incredible play. We talked about the uh, the tactician Brad Stevens, yeah, sort of leading a team without their, you know, their starting center ish and yes, and also having Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving out of. The lineup, um, 76ers winning game four, but do you think they realistically have a shot at taking next three and taking Celtics out of this matchup? No,
1: no, no, no it's no, done. Not even close. It's done. Okay, Austin's so a hard place. So the better
2: question maybe should be: Do you think Brad Stevens and the
1: Celtics can no. um, th- beat the Cleveland Cavaliers? No. Any, regardless of his play design, I think even though Brad Stevens is the genius that he is when it comes to the nose of the Celtics, I think LeBron James has not only become the coach general manager, but he's also become something different on the court. Like He's way- a player coach on the court. He's a player coach, but he's something different. There's something more. There's like a diff there's an aura around him. Like I see him playing like I don't I don't know what to what to call it just yet. I'm gonna come up with the term, but mm-hmm. there's something magical about what he's doing on the court right now. And I don't think that that thing that he's doing that I'm seeing where he's able to fall backwards and hit a shot just unconsciously, like Without any hope of it going in, and it goes in on numerous occasions. I think uh, Michael Jordan had four career uh, game-winning shots. He has more in, now, in, yeah. in the playoffs, LeBron James has two in the last week. Um, yeah. Like, there's something crazy going on right now, and I think he's in his prime. There's no this way this is his prime right now. There's no way any like yeah, 15 years in, he's at it. Like he's playing at the best level he's ever played. But this is but Jordan is the same
0: thing though. Oh, if he for didn't sure. it like like he because to to me, there's your athletic prime in terms of raw physical athleticism, and then there's your mental... Right peak in terms of your intelligence, okay? And it's where those two cross, right? So, like, you know, maybe you're at your athletic peak or just, you know, maybe you're not as quick, but you You understand the game better now. Maybe you have a little more man strength. So, in your early 30s, I think basketball players, like where LeBron is now, I think he's his true peak.
1: 15 years in the game, 15 years of mental experience. Yep. Like, his body has always been where it's at. Like, I don't even think he's as quick or as strong as he was, like, maybe three years ago. Yeah. Maybe 95% of what it was but his intelligence is just Next getting level. so it's much it's a testament higher. to
2: his condition 100% just like, like MMA game, right? like UFC for example one big thing is that you, know, you develop these skill sets for the entire, your entire career you know trying to integrate kickboxing Muay Thai boxing Jiu wrestling keep you're trying better. to learn as much as you can you, you hit a certain point of your age let's say your mid 30s where your body starts slowing down you have all this knowledge in the back in, in your head and yep. you have all this like ability to put all this shit out there but you can't do it because your body isn't willing to do it LeBron James a combination of everything he's learned within in the game within his entire career since being drafted in 2003, to now, man, just still being in peak physical form at 33, especially going to the finals, how many years in a row, is an a testament how well-conditioned that guy is and how serious he takes the game. The, he's
1: like an, he's He played every single terrorist. game this year. Like, how do you do that? He wanted the MVP.
0: I thought he was going for the MVP this year. That's what I... So I actually predicted Fuck, man, he that he would it. do this. Like, at the start of the year, when uh, I thought the Cavs were going to win the East. Because we, me and Grafman were talking about this, and I said, I think because LeBron feels like he got slighted last year, and I think he was going to go and do this, yeah. uh, and he did, and he put the because st- people were saying, "Oh, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world," and LeBron put the stamp down again this year, man. Yeah,
2: no so, doubt about it. One thing I kind of want to mention about the Boston Celtics 76 no Sixers matchup was uh, the impressive play of Al Horford, and I think for a lot of you know casual NBA fans, when they watch the game. They just don't understand what Al Horford brings to the table. You know, he's not the yep. sexiest guy out there. He's not the flashiest guy on the court. Guys, can you do? Can you explain to our listeners what you see out of Al Horford and how he's kind of evolved into like the ultimate glue guy, underappreciated superstar?
1: Al Horford is a stabilizing force that the seventy uh, that the Boston Celtics have that make them go. Everything flows through Al Horford. He's the emotional leader, the vocal leader. Defensive anchor. The defensive anchor and the offensive anchor. When Al Horford tells Rozier, yeah, you could take the ball, Rozier takes the ball and he attacks.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not even like he says it. He just gives him the eye. He just gives him the signal and he's gone. Uh, You know, Al Horford has the ability to take the ball from the end of the court to the forefront of the court and hit a a three-pointer to win the game, just like LeBron. Maybe not as flashy, but he'll do it. And he may be... Like, he won't be as gracious and as elegant when he does it, but, you know, he'll get it done. And I think even if Kyrie Irving were there, even if uh, Gordon was there... He'd still be that important. He's, he's the leader. He's the, he's the head of the snake. Mm. He, he's that guy. So, you know, luckily for Boston, they have him because, you know, I think without him, he's the only piece that might not be interchangeable. Like, you don't have a guy who could fill those shoes Yep. You know, the one constant with Boston over the past 4 years, right? Or is it 3 years? It's has been Al, year. has been Al Horford. Yeah. You know.
0: 2 years, yeah. No, it's been 2 years, yeah. Uh no, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh he's a great positionally, very fundamentally sound player. Right? So and and that's why he like a guy like Abaka, he's athletically inclined, so he makes up for not being in the right position, okay? Uh, Al Horford's the type of player uh, that is in the right position to begin with. And that's why when I'm watching him play Embiid, like the way he was playing him, yeah, he's not as strong, but he's strong enough if he gets into the right spots.
1: So Embiid had a question. How can a guy play me for so many games and only have, or so many minutes or whatever it was, and only have, and have no fouls against me? And it's simple. You just have to be a lot smarter than you. Yeah. Right? So And that's what it is. Like I feel like, LeBron James and Al Horford, you know, their IQ they read in the terms game. of... Oh. Their
0: ability to read the game, they see it faster, right? They see the plays developing.
1: Exactly. And they make the right plays off of that. It's kind of like F1, you know? Like, you have, like, you know, your
2: equal playing field, more or less, with the cars, But, like, there's a reason why someone finishes number one every single year because of their ability just to, as, as a tactician... To read the track. Yeah, exactly. Read the track, exactly. Same read thing the with temperature,
1: read everything. Like, read all the different <laughs> factors that play into... You know, that race or this game. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, one more thing I kind of want to briefly t- touch base on. Um, so, um, as you all know, Stan Van Gundy was uh, dismissed, fired by the Detroit Pistons, uh, the coach Stan. GM. Um, so, obviously, what do you guys, how do, do you think it's a, a justifiable fi- uh, firing, I guess? And do you think teams should even consider hiring a guy to fulfill both responsibilities? Like as was, coach and GM
0: co- yeah but well, you no. know he was more he was the president of basketball operations so he was he was president of basketball operations and the coach So maybe and GM as well I'm not sure
2: no he was I'm pretty sure he was GM who, and coach who's
0: president of basketball operations there
2: I don't know it's gonna take me a second to uh, look it up do you guys wanna talk for a second while I look it up
0: yes <laughs> so what do you do like I, I, I think feel, it's too I much- feel for the Van Gundys man they're they're good. funny. They're funny.
1: <laughs> like the thing is, they'll always have a job if they want a job. Like there's always going to be an Atlanta Hawks that needs a, te- a coach that's going to you know whip them into shape. I don't and know, get man. Them a like few games.
0: I don't think, I don't think that I. I feel like they represent the, the '90s and the two right. Like I think that the NBA feels like they moved on from those guys, and, and that's why Van. Gooden, their coaching they coaching. That's why the like, other Van Goodney can't get a job either. You're
2: correct, by the way, Greg. He's the president of basketball operations, head coach, GM for the Pistons of Jeff. Bauer. Yeah,
1: see, that's too much to bite. Like, you need, you need checks and balances. Somebody's going to say, no, that's a bad trade. Someone's going to say, no, don't do that philosophy. Somebody's going to. Can't,
2: you can't wear both hats. You see where it's happening to Tom Thibodeau right now with the roster contract. It's like the 2011 fucking Bulls already, and like playing with Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Daves. Not, not Jonathan Daves, sorry, Carnal D. Towns. Not
1: enough power checks. Or, or, you
2: know,
0: just uh, (laughs) it's just too much to do, I think, for one guy, considering like you're competing against teams of people. And the thing is, you may have people that you can talk to about your decisions, but they're not going to really call you out on it because you're the boss.
1: Exactly. And at the end of the day, they want their jobs.
0: Yeah, but so. uh, I love watching uh, Stan, man. It's so funny, like watching him yell at. I recently actually was watching YouTube clips of 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 Jeff Van Gundy, like the scene when he's like on the floor, <laughs> right, like in that big brawl, and he's just like on the leg of Alonzo Mourning. Love it.
2: I think he's made a couple smart <laughs> I decisions. Think- I, think I, think part of I think specifically, I think specifically bringing a guy like Reggie Jackson um, for next to nothing, pennies essentially, a couple and second Blake rounders. Griffin? Blake Griffin is the 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 I think the most the worst thing about his tenure. On that organization. That's a problem of wearing both hats again. He brought in Blake Griffin purely as a means to keep his fucking job. You right. know, that last stab at like at least hopefully like if I get a big splashy And in so I doing, time. he handcuffed it, Maybe this will work. My God, but now
0: they're that. screwed, and they have to. I, but I mean, that team won't be a bad team. They they they're just they have a ceiling.
2: Uh, just based on the small sample size, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin can't coexist in the front court. Especially based off the small sample size we saw this season, it's just two guys who can't stretch the floor. Really, um, the plus you, like, like in today's NBA, like your
1: four has to be able to hit the, the three consistently, and Blake Griffin is not doing that. Would
0: not you consistently. Tra- would you trade for? Would you trade Serge Ibaka? And some other stuff for Blake
1: Griffin. Honestly, uh, Blake Griffin is a huge upgrade over Ibaka. They both get hit the three at the same clip. The only difference <laughs> is Blake Griffin is can actually dribble the ball. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, uh. <laughs> so Detroit had a better net rating when either Griffin or Andre Drummond sat when they shared the floor. So, yeah. Um, I would trade Ibaka for Carmelo Anthony. I would I do it.
0: I would trade Ibaka for a ham sandwich right now. Hey, can we <laughs> talk for a second about <laughs> ham
2: sandwiches? Hey, for for
0: for too long has Tyloo been. Rated, okay. Ty Lue is an underappreciated head coach. Okay, it takes a special kind of man to be able to survive having LeBron James really coach the team. Okay, he has a low-key brilliance to him. Does Ty Lue? He's a simple man. Right? Where's he from again? What's the name of his, uh, his hometown, Brandon? He gives a shit.
2: Um, his assistant coaches, I think, are the guys that are paving the way for their success. Guys like Damon Jones, James Posey. Damon Jones, man.
0: Mike he Langabardi. got soup thrown
2: at him by J.R. Smith. Damon Jones looks like a cocaine addict. So does Tyrone Lou?
1: <laughs> What's the center they just signed who's on the coaching staff now? Who is getting into a huge fight with Drake on the sidelines? What's that guy's name? Kendrick Perkins. 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 An, he's an amazing coach. Like they signed him for the playoffs, and look who's look who's killing it, Tristan Thompson. I think it's like Kevin a Kevin m- Love is back. Perkins is like a month James. older
2: than LeBron James. He's like our same,
1: same draft. He's, yeah,
0: he's our he's our uh, Jamal McGlore
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Obviously, Jamal McGlory's doing a
0: good job. Yeah,
2: he looks like Phil Jackson fucked an eagle. Oof, no comment. Kenneth Perkins. Um, all right, too uh, far, too far. <laughs> Too far. How dare you say Phil Jackson fucking eagle? Phil Jackson would never fucking eagle. Hey,
0: and 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 does Phil Jackson look bad now for wanting to trade Melo? He saw this. He saw the decline. But uh, my, my he deal. also he tried signed. To trade he also signed as
2: Porzingis as well. Okay, so oh, kid missed his exit that. interview. Man, yeah.
0: put some respect on his name.
2: Um, all right, we'll be we'll be back in a second. I'm gonna play some more music by Makimoto <laughs> We'll talk about the Western Conference. Be Where back is back in a Ty a from? Illinois I think we'll find out when we come back
1: Hey, The dream is the the LeBron says, "Set that screen. You set that screen. You roll. You roll hard." <laughs> I put the
2: mic on uh, before Javon um, started talking, so uh, you got a little snippet of Javon's hate for uh, Mexico, Missouri's very own Tyrone Lou.
1: He's actually a cool guy. I like his coaching style. <laughs> he, he's the perfect coach because he has no ego. Listen, man, the way the, the way uh, Cleveland dismantled the Raptors in that second series. He um, looks
0: damn smart, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, man. Yo, he's, He, he doing calls
0: timeouts better than anybody else. Hey, do you hear that? An Indiana fan.
2: That's would, his fan. He knows when to call the fucking hey, timeout. Oh, he
0: does it so smooth like. Hold on. An Indiana fan was talking shit about his suit, right? So he goes, it's a new style. You wouldn't know anything about that being from Indiana. <laughs> What the
2: fuck is he talking about? He looks like he just bought a Goodwill suit because he had a job interview that afternoon. Mexico,
0: Missouri. Buy some
2: fucking fitted goddamn pants, man. It looks like you're wearing your dead uncle's pajamas. It's embarrassing.
0: They had a parade for him when he won the championship. Do you know what he did after they won the championship? He had to sit down, he took out his handkerchief, and he cried into his handkerchief. That is a man amongst men. Yeah, they love him
2: in Mexico, Missouri. Missouri! (laughs) All right, uh, going to the Western Conference. New Orleans Pelicans, Golden State Warriors. New Orleans Pelicans, the kind of Cinderella story. The playoffs sweeping the Portland Trailblazers in the Love first em. round. Unfortunately, down 3-1 against the Perennial Champs.
1: Um, suffice to say, guys, the series is over. They're done. They're done? No, they're coming back. They're coming back. They're going to win one game. That's it's as been, far as the comeback goes, um, um, though.
0: If they had DeMarcus Cousins, I think they could they could actually beat the Warriors.
2: I don't know, man. I really don't know. Like I'm on I think so. that statement isn't based on like how great cousins is. It's just you know again like two twin towers in the low post. No, like, but
0: I saw them. I okay when they started to figure it out, and it took them a bit to figure it out. But once they started to figure it out, I was watching them when they played small ball teams. When they played like they were they were killing Houston that game when Demarcus went down, and that was when Houston was in its like hot streak. Yeah. Right? like it, it, it showed to me, like just look at how competitive they've been able to be with them, and they could be playing two styles, too. Like, what You put one lineup out with the brow, you play fast, and then you slow it down and pound the paint with Cousins.
1: And then again, going back to the Raptors situation, it's all in the onus of the coaching staff to figure out which lineup is working for whichever game that they have, so I think it just gives them an extra layer of versatility and you know more options that they can use, hopefully you know, you don't man. get caught up in making the wrong choice.
0: I'm just searching for a team that could beat Golden State.
2: I don't know, man. I'm, I am like, I love Boogie Cousins. I think he's an absolutely fantastic basketball player. But you got to think about the organization filling up the roster, especially the bench and finding a small four. Like, realistically, six foot four, Etwan Moore isn't a starting three in the NBA, regardless of how much yeah. love I have for him. But if you do clear up that space, let's say you clear up that $35, $38 million, you can bring in a guy like you could bring in Evans. What if You, you can bring in LeBron. Will Barden and probably J.J. Bredick as well. I think depth is more important for what that team. What if LeBron...
0: LeBron I think shooters. Went they need shooters in yeah. New yeah. Orleans. What if LeBron decided he wanted to go to the
2: Pelicans? I don't think he'd want to do that. What? What? what for Mardi Gras? Imagine that the market big three. I'm gonna go to New Orleans and I'm taking over Mardi Gras like that. Would imagine be
0: no, but imagine like I'm just trying to think. Okay, I think Le- LeBron's gonna go somewhere now where where he can win a championship. And then there are very few teams that if you add LeBron to it, right, they can even beat Golden State. Because right, I don't think he can win a championship going to the Lakers and trying to form a, a new super team there. Unless it's all been worked out and there's a legit, you know what I mean? And you got multiple guys that are going to come. So him and Paul George, because the, what they have in L.A., it, it's still not good enough.
2: I would love for him to go back to Miami. I but...
0: no, but that wouldn't why. Like, they wouldn't <laughs> I win know. anything. Like, I, I think there are very few teams. One of them is Houston. The other one is
2: Philadelphia. And the other one...
0: Is the Pelicans?
2: I want them to go back to Miami just purely for the fact that like that like we look at that roster like comparatively to other teams, there's not too many guys. You get the Goran Dragic, I guess Hassan Whiteside, and a few scrap pieces. But like just going back, to that team winning a championship, I don't. But know. But they wouldn't win a championship. The thing is, I don't think they could. Oh, no, they would. Really? I don't think
1: so. I don't think they're bad. The Cavaliers are though. Miami's not that bad. Their players just aren't good enough. You know, I think that you add a LeBron there, they have enough pieces. I think their pieces are better than the pieces but on Cleveland right now.
0: No, they have Kevin Love at least. Like, there's a number two. I think Kevin Love is the who's only guy. Who's the number guy. two on Miami? Dion Waiters?
1: You have Goran Dragic, who would probably yeah. be the number two. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe. Right? No, yeah, maybe. But and but it's not the same. Like, they wouldn't be like a a, a super talented. Like, could they beat Golden State? Like, he's going to go somewhere where he can beat Golden State. You know he's a competitor and he wants to beat that team. Because they cheated to get Durant. And now he's got to cheat. He's got to give him a do taste for that. Do you
1: think LeBron James cares about his legacy?
0: Yeah. He he said he's chasing the ghost of Jordan.
1: All right, going he back from, championships. F- from
0: LeBron Sorry. James'
2: talk back to the Golden State Warriors. Fuck the it, Warriors! Is it, like, kind of weird for me to say this? But, like, I really... Um, I think I really undervalued the Warriors this year. I, 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 just, you know, I was trying to think of all these like narratives of how a team can come out and beat them in the Western Conference or in the no, NBA Finals. and like I just them. don't think I really gave the Warriors a respect, like, even coming into the
1: playoffs as well and just
2: how fucking dominant they are.
1: I think the Warriors' only obstacle is themselves. They tend to beat themselves a lot. Like, they beat themselves. Like I feel like they won 58 games this year and they underperformed mightily. And I think a lot of those losses were KD getting two technicals, um, yeah, you, you know. Well, we speaking of KD,
2: what's he going to do next year? He has a player option at what 26.2 million dollars. $2 yeah, He'll goes, goes back. He's going not going to take twenty six point two. Man, he's not going to hit the hometown discount for a second year in a row.
0: oh uh, maybe he uh, comes to the Raptors, man.
2: I don't know. I'd love Washington, get. I think yeah. it'd be strategic. Like, I think it would be a location that can kind of develop his brain. Like, obviously, he's in Silicon Valley right now, heavily invested in tech industry. Maybe like New York, and like Ugh. maybe getting. Like, I think it's outside of the game itself. Well, I think he, it's yeah. him
1: thinking out his he career got his after chip. basketball, right? He already got his chip, so I mean, maybe he joins up with LeBron and kills everybody's uh, uh, thoughts. Him, I'm, him, and Katie go to LA.
2: As I mentioned on Facebook, LeBron James is an emotional terrorist. An All emotional right. terrorist. Right, going uh, down, uh, Houston Rockets, Utah Jazz. Uh, another foregone conclusion, guys. Can the Jazz yeah. scrape together a couple more wins to win the series? I don't uh, see why not.
0: It's tough without Rubio, man. They they, they do miss him. I really, uh, you know, I thought OKC was going to beat them just from the talent standpoint. And, you know, Jovan, you said it when that team first got put together. You, I remember you said, I don't like that team. Because I was excited because, again, I'm looking for teams that can beat the Warriors. And first thing you you need to beat the Warriors is talent. Because regardless of how well they play as a a team and their system and their assists, they got talent. Okay, They got guys that make the shot. The assists don't count if the shot don't go in after the pass. Okay. So when I saw OKC, I said, you know what? Russell Westbrook, Paul George, uh, the, the mellow that he was supposed to be. Plus, you got a big guy in Adams that could bother them. This could... You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 you're countering their style. Like if you run up and down the court, right? Like yeah. the fa- okay, so I was really up on but you know, seeing how Melo's fallen off and the ISO ball that they played, it was nice in the Jazz series to see a team effort by the Jazz and to see Ricky Rubio, man. Like everybody you know, because I was big on Rubio when he came in in the league because I like passing. I like really good passers. It's a skill. It's an art. It's a lost art.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And to see Rubio have the series he did and hit those shots, right, because no one believed. Like, the Wolves shouldn't have let him go. The Wolves would be better if they had Ricky Rubio yep. over, over Jeff Teague. Yeah, definitely. Right? But um, I, I don't think they can without. I mean, Donovan Mitchell. My God. Like, that's another. I didn't see Donovan Mitchell coming. This kid is real. He is legit, man.
1: Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing.
0: Like, he's a top-tier NBA athlete. And, again, and, and then you see, like, how DeRozan and Lowry have, like, re, it, like you know, they go down in the playoffs. And this kid goes up in the playoffs. Wow.
1: And it's his first year, which yeah. is crazy. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. OG stepped up in the playoffs. His first playoffs, when you think about it, compared to the regular season, Donovan Mitchell stepped up in the playoffs. You know, the the superstars are the ones who step up in the playoffs. The, Mind
0: you, Ben Simmons uh, hasn't I, played very well.
1: So I think I think uh, uh, there was this one quote I heard one of these NBA commentators say: the regular season is where you make your game, and then the playoffs is make where you your make name. your fame. Yeah, yeah the, fame. The, fame, name, man. Yeah. yeah, name in the regular season, fame, fame in the yeah. in the postseason. And you know, OG Ananobi got his name out there this postseason. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, especially he's he's going to be all over the yeah. face of the NBA well, next year.
0: And and and
2: you know just. Well, see, I think it's, going back to the Jazz for a second, I think it's the impact of already having, like, the skeleton of the organization already established. You know, they just needed a guy who could score, who's unafraid to, you know, hoist 20, 25 shots a night. You kind of fill that Gordon Essentially Hayward Gordon defensive Hayward, goal, right?
0: yeah. And and I think Rubio is, like, a really good fit beside uh, Mitchell as well. Exactly. But just on the point about who performs, like, who steps up and, and who doesn't, something I've I've, I've noticed, you know, Uh, being a former athlete, coaching teams. You know, some players get the most out of themselves. Like, Like you see their potential at practice and you're like, oh, like that's their peak. And then you see them playing a game and they don't quite perform to what their level could
1: be. Practice players,
0: yeah, right. Versus like game, like like guys that that can whether it's confidence or calm or poise, whatever you want to call it. But they're maximizing uh, their ability. Like there's a player that I coached. He, uh, his name uh, is Arthur. He won a gold medal for 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 Canada in, in in the Pan Am Games. Okay, he's a boxer, but I coached him in soccer. Okay, okay? they call him the Chechen Wolf. This kid was a predator on the soccer field, and soccer is the second sport, and he was. At, I, you know, he always he, uh, was maximizing his potential out there, right? Like, he didn't train all that much for soccer, okay? But, but what he gave you was the best, and you got it consistently. Yeah, always right?
1: striving for a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more. Yeah,
0: and then you get these other guys that, for whatever reason, like, you know, you see it in, in in flashes, but you can't get the consistency. And sorry to bring this back to the Raptors, and Lowry and Rose and I, I'm thinking about it a lot. Is this, you know... Can you grow into that consistency, or is it what you see in OG where you know? Okay, look at him mentally. The kid is is calm. Yeah. He's unshakable,
1: yeah.
0: right? And and that's something like, and th- I've said it before. I think that we needed to get Lowry, like some like a serious meditation coach. Like I'm serious. Like this is stuff that I tell certain players to do, and it helps their game. Like just to calm down and perf- right and perform consistently. I don't know if it's something that you can improve, but the Raptors got to figure out something. If you don't have guys, though, that are maximizing their potential, yeah. right, in big moments, you will never win at high levels.
2: Maybe a haircut as well because he literally looks like he just, like, walked out of his shed after smoking, like, a big bag of Buddha.
0: Allow his nappy <laughs> hair. He
2: has a nice lineup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, hey, you don't notice how Lowry and DeRozan Always have like The same kind of thing Going on
1: Yeah 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 Teams They're do that
0: You see it in the NCAA tournament best Where like butts. teams But teams will start to You know they have Similar cuts right they It's like hipster time.
2: Homeless chic You know what I mean That kind of shit <laughs> There you go bud Yeah um, One last thing I kind of want to talk about Briefly with this matchup Is the emergence Of Klinkapella um, You know He's already, you know, took out Carlton Towns, made him look like a shawl himself, and
1: already he's, you're
2: seeing it with Rudy Gobert. What's the ceiling for this guy?
1: I think you see is what you what you see is what you get. I don't think he's going to he's gonna develop a, a great jump shot. I think uh, his ability and his tendency to just keep attacking the basket and, you know, having that post presence where he can, you know, take one or two dribbles yeah. and, you know, pump fake, dunk, whatever, you know, talent you might see around the basket. I DeAndre think. Jordan. Exactly. But, you know, Exactly like DeAndre Jordan. Like, I don't think, like, he's going to get to a point where, like, he's going to start stepping out and crossing over guys and, you know.
0: Nor necessarily should he. I think what you see in Mbaka is part—is, like, the problem when players try to—you know, like, everybody wants to be that player. Yeah, a multifaceted dynamic. Yeah, everybody everybody wants to be, like, that scoring player, you know, the James Harden— but sometimes you have to perfect what you're good at. Professionalize yep. what you're good at. Exactly. Right? Instead of trying to be something that you're not and ending up wasting all this time practicing. And it's like, is that really required for your position? Right? right. And, and on his team, he's a good fit for what he does on that team.
1: Exactly. So, you know, is exactly uh, is the skill set of you stepping out to the three-point line really beneficial? Because right now, like, the position and the role that he has yeah. on his team, he's the only guy, who, well, him and Nene, right? And Nene is an amazing uh backup, Substit- backup yeah, for him muscle center yeah exactly so you know he exactly what you said he fits his role perfectly for his team uh, his ability to just provide that that paint presence that paint threat. Uh, which obviously gives more than enough room for the shooters yeah. to get the and shot. I off. don't
0: think he looks as good on, on other teams, though. To be honest,
1: like I mean, uh, who who knows? Probably the Warriors. I think the y- Warriors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Know, I think any team with like a strong pick and roll game, where you know he can dive he to the rim. He can't create his own shot. Do you remember when he oh, came never, in the league? Never, never. Do you remember like it's his,
2: his rookie year when he first got into the league? You know what he's oh. most known for? Hmm. What Brandon going nine Missing nineteen of twenty-three free throws to start his career.
1: Wow. Times have changed. Yeah, it's got a little bit better. Yeah, What's yeah, his street you throw know, percentage now?
2: Um, I'm gonna say six
1: point five
0: four. It's better. He's, I'm say he's got a lot better. No, and you know what? You know, pissing me off too. Watching um, uh, the American Express halftime 56. report. Fifty Fifty six. Doesn't that bad? That's close. Right. Uh, the American Express halftime report. Right. The Amer. Sorry. The the big men. Sorry. The the commentators. Right. The former big man Shaq Charles. These guys are so biased towards European bigs or international bigs. Like they love their like like they love uh, towns, right? They love towns and Clint Capella. They're always making fun of. And then Capella puts him to uh, right, takes them to school. JV, same thing. They give no respect, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely have that bias. They they you know they're more accustomed to liking players who play more like the their style of play when yeah. they played. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know JV's producing. You know you got to give him his kudos. Yo, he's the one raptor. That can, that can you know. Like, even if the Raptors don't keep him because of some trade that might go down, yeah. he's the one guy who I can say, when push came to shove, yep. even in previous uh, playoffs when the Raptors were down and out against Indiana, he was the guy who held yep. down the fort. He yep. was, he's the one consistent guy for the Raptors Think in about every the single
2: f- playoffs. the first game of the series against Cleveland, that first half. What do you have, half, like 20 man.
1: rebounds? 21 and 21. Before
2: like, Tyrone sh- Liu reluctantly put Tristan Thompson on
1: No, but then,
0: hold on, but even then, like, he could still attack that matchup, and that's not Bad having Thompson on. Thompson is an offensive negative. Yeah. But but again, but like, and this goes back to Casey here. I don't want to. Where's the love for this? I okay. I understand. He helped him develop into what he is. There's no doubt. Tough love. But at some point, like, why are we giving these shots to Ibaka? Yeah. Like, why are we giving these shots? Like, why is
1: Ibaka in the game?
0: Yeah. No. But like, you know what I mean? Like, Like like Jv's percentage is so high. Give the guy his touches. Then let him shoot the ball. Like odds are it's gonna go in. Look at his percentage.
1: I remember in the post-game press conference for Game 4, one of the reporters had asked Dwayne Casey, uh, so what was the thought process behind bringing in uh, Lucas Nogueira in the fourth quarter? And he said that one of his coaches said that Lucas was the best passer from the high post, something, and he was better than JV, better than Serge Ibaka. And I'm like to myself, what the hell am I hearing right now? Because I swear to you, it doesn't matter if JV is maybe a slightly worse passer than Lucas Nogueira or or 100%. What else does
0: he give you? What else
1: is he going to give you from the high post? JV at least will make the defense commit to a jump shot from that area. He is so good from that area, from that mid-range spot. And I know it's not a you know, a high percentage shot or a popular shot. But when nothing else is going and that's the only open shot you're going to get in that situation, I'd take that. Because sooner enough, he's going to hit maybe two of four or two of three and he's going to force the defense to have to play it. Yeah, and, and then, then what does JV does? What does he do? Put that shoulder
0: down. Yeah, he right, it's got that running hook. He
1: yeah. has he had like from the high post. JV has two, three, or even four dribbles to yeah. play with. He yeah. he he he's so dynamic and so you know he he has so many different things that he can do. But so much he, things. You just his...
0: said you said JV is so dynamic. Yeah. Okay. This is not how like well, the from, Toronto from... basketball world has seen him, and he does have that side in him, yeah. right? But he's not looked at as our third guy, right? I and mean, we
1: you know, in this situation, in this playoff, it was like he was the third guy. Yeah. And ma- as a matter of fact, you know, when it's all said and done, and you look at the numbers, he's the first, he's the first guy. First guy. Yeah. He's the first guy. Yeah. And it's just like the Raptors, Dwayne Casey never recognized it. They're like, you know what? DeRozan and Kyle Lowry yeah. are the ship, and if We're gonna go the down ship goes it. down, I'm going down with just them. Just
0: pass up the damn pick and roll every now and again. Yeah, man. Like, ah, The Raptors
1: are so frustrating. I don't know why we just keep coming back to the Raptors.
2: All right, guys. We'll be back in a moment. Here's We're griping. G- Greg's gripe. Um, sponsored, not sponsored by Diamond sponsored Pizza. Sponsored by. Uh, Makimoto providing us some music yet again. Thank you very much, Makimoto. Track him out on SoundCloud. We'll be back in one moment. folks we are back with Canada's favorite podcast segment Gregory's gripe Greg this is the last one for the year with Toronto Raptors basketball Um, probably be a few more related to the Raptors throughout the offseason let out the frustration hey
0: look there's a lot of things that you could say as to what went wrong in that series (laughs) against the Cavs but I bring it back because I'm a you know I'm 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 a uh, a big guy on like turning points and momentum sometimes you can really pinpoint where something changed Go back and, and and think about that game one, okay? We were dominating the Cavs. We, we really were looked like the better team in, in that game. And at some point, they take the camera and they show Drake. And Drake's saying something to LeBron. And he's trying to act tough and he's talking shit. And there's some swear words in there. And I'm watching that and I'm saying, no, what are you doing? Doing (laughs) right because I've seen you know years ago Chris Bosh had an entourage at a game and some girls said something to LeBron and he went off and he fucking stared them down and pointed them out and berated them okay and I'm I'm watching Drake do this and the next play LeBron gets the ball drives baseline and fucking just rocks the rim right fuck man Uh, has Drake not seen the clips of Spike Lee and Reggie Miller does he not know what happens when you poke the bear? Because after that moment, the whole series changed, my friend. And wow. and at the end of that first game, he gives his stupid scorpion medallion to Matt Devlin on air. And Matt Devlin wears it. Oh
1: man, just basking in the glory.
0: You know what? I, and it's just, it just, it's frustrating because like they'll show Drake and then they'll zoom out and show Casey. And I'm seeing Drake like get in the way of Casey as he's walking up and down the sidelines. Yeah, yeah it's so uncomfortable it. yeah. when
2: Devlin's wearing the fucking medallion
1: on it. It's like yeah, when Norm,
2: it's like when Norm Kelly tweets. Like I'm just like, ugh, don't do it. Just don't do it. top ah! <laughs>
1: oh, like, off the bandwagon. Like, come on, guys. Like this is a basketball game. It's not a rap concert. Can
2: you imagine, like, s- like anyone in the '90s, you know, like Spike Lee or Jack Nicholson calling out Michael Jordan? No, one they, yes, have, exactly. Yeah. Michael Jordan would have dropped a
1: hundred points.
0: No, but but, and that's the thing. It's like they're just a level you of idiot. respect.
2: There's things you just don't do with certain players in the league because they deserve to that man, respect, that respect. You right? should
0: be afraid of. What, look. All don't right, so, give him, he's having a bad game. Don't give him motivation, goddammit. And you can't go out there and back it up. You can't play. Don't write checks that your ass can't cash, man. You're going to go out and guard LeBron?
1: Right? He's not. Come
0: on, man.
1: Fucking horrible. All right, TSM T, TSM poll right here. Uh, do we take away LeBron James' seats for next year? Uh, sorry, do we take away Drake's seats for next year?
0: I would love to not have to see him anymore. It really pisses me off.
1: I don't care. You obviously do care, because when you see him, you cringe.
2: Like... I th- I think the concept of having like probably the most like publicly recognized musician in the world being from Toronto is kind of cool. Like having him on the sidelines is kind of interesting. I think it incentivizes certain free agents to come to Toronto. You say musician, um, there are, I there are, say actor. But there there's certain uh, whatever. Okay, so there's certain, <laughs> there's certain it's benefits obviously having Drake on the sideline. But who is like, was like, But up? like you're talking about, you know what I mean? Like how much he's impacting the flow of the game, and obviously yeah. when he's calling out LeBron James, that begs a question: like, Why? The, like, what makes you feel like you're in a situation to be able to call out the greatest of all? time arguably like who do you think you are really definitely to to open up your even have a fucking conversation with lebron in the first place why is champagne poppy feeling so entitled that he feels like he can talk to lebron james on the court i don't know no and and you know and then
0: after he's beefing with kendrick perkins are you first of all you you're from forest hill okay if you're gonna do anything to perkins you gotta pay someone at this point man kendrick perkins takes bigger shits
2: than Drake, man no
0: but that's what i'm you know what i mean uh, I'm just, the, the whole thing upset me to no end, and I'm convinced that that put the negative omen, the dark cloud, if you will, over the series.
1: Oh, no, for sure. LeBron James, I'm definitely getting these guys now.
0: Yeah, because if he didn't, then he, we don't even, then LeBron is on Sports Center, but like, oh, and Drake's talking shit to him, and he's playing bad. No, LeBron doesn't want that narrative. He you wants know, the reverse
1: narrative. More than anything, it's just extra fuel. Like, LeBron it's, James exactly. doesn't need it, and it's just extra fuel for him. He's like, oh, nice. Drake, Drake, wants to talk? Okay, let me beat the Raptors for even more added uh, you know, salt on the wounds for these Yo, guys. I
0: got a second gripe. The calls. Okay, I know that the Raptors folded in the in, in the last game. But you had two games decided by what, a combined three points? Yeah. Don't tell me that those calls didn't impact the game. Like, like you you, you can't tell me that, right? That 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 Sergio Baca uh and one. That, that LeBron complains about, he starts to cry about, and then they take back the two points, right? We end up uh, going the next way, love nails a three in our face, right? The Kyle Lowry charge, right? If you look back in those games, there's so many calls. Like, even in the game, uh, uh, was game three, Ibaka goes up for a good contest. LeBron jumps into him. Yeah.
1: That's the call. And, you know, it just sucks because, you know, you have to account for those as a coaching staff. Like, you know LeBron James is going to get those calls. And it sucks but I know. can
0: deal though with the LeBron calls. I can't deal with like the other the other the things where LeBron getting upset impacts the ref's decision after the call yeah, no. has been made. And, the, and this is, the, is you know you heard about Masai Ujiri getting fined 25k. Apparently yeah, yeah. he like comes out on the thing out on the court and started like freaking out on the on the refs. Like what is that? You know I understand the NBA is a business and 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 you want to see your stars, but like. It, from a, Just from a fan's perspective, it's disgusting to see how much they cater to LeBron. Well, it really is.
1: Yeah. It's horrible. Um, do you think it's going to change any—do I think it's going to change anytime soon? Do I think these superstars are not going to get those calls?
0: We need one of those. Drake needs to bring us one of those.
1: <laughs> one of those superstars hey, is going to get If he get brings me calls?
0: Kevin Durant, I will uh, officially become a Drake fan. Right. Until then, his ass needs to shit the fuck down.
1: Yeah, it, like, be respectable, you know? Like, everybody knows you're a superstar, but, you know, like... You wanted to draw that attention to yourself? Uh, Greg, if... Keep the commentary to yourself. If the Raptors
2: somehow get Kevin Durant through Drake, would you allow yourself to be Drake's footrest on the court every single time he comes to Toronto?
0: Not every single time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give him a game or something.
0: I'm a team-first guy, man. You bring me Kevin Durant, uh, we're all
1: good, baby. Hey, Brandon, can you make that happen? I can make that happen.
2: Um, Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Uh, It's been an interesting year for the Toronto Raptors. I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, We'll continue doing the podcast throughout the rest of the playoffs as well, going into the offseason. Some special
0: segments, some special uh, 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 sport-focused social issues, political segments that I'm looking forward to doing right specifically related I think to race and sport the NCAA and sport in the city of Toronto right like we got one of the most well-known community coaches right here in Jovan
1: yep we could talk about a whole bunch of players that are going division one some transactions that are happening future players heading into the NBA for the 2018 2019 season we could talk trades so many things to talk about
2: basketball doesn't purely exist within the realm of the NBA Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Have yourself a fantastic week. You can catch us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I apologize to Kendrick Birkins for calling him, that, he, telling him that he looks like Phil Jackson, fucked a bald eagle. All right, thank you very much, guys. Have a great week. Up He's out, t 1.2 seconds
0: to go. Vince Carter, you are amazing. Give it to me. A little baby black. Get that out of here. <laughs>